This is Jordan from Newfound Glory. Listen to story time with Matthew Haslam Hammond. <laughs> Attention. This podcast will make you happy, make you sad, they believe and make you mad, but they're sure to make you feel included. The things they talk about are completely random. It's story time with Liam Copeland. And Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Storytime with Math. You Haslam Hammond. I've, of course, been Liam Copeland. As always, this podcast is sponsored by the best basketball podcast known to man, which is Pass to Assist Pod with Callum, Carl, Doug, and the beautiful Wilkie. For all your slam dunk the funk needs. Yeah? If you like LeBron James, they're there. Yeah, if you like men in shorts that are baggier than normal shorts, they're there. And if you like having men that are muscular but also loads of cool slam dunking, they are there. Now, yes, get the thing out of the way. Matthew sadly is not here today. He has gone into rehab for his iron brew addiction. We are would like to send all the love to him and his family. We hope he gets back soon. I'm only taking over for a little bit. Because we don't want this dream to die of knowing everyone's stories. So please, give it up for the best drummer in the world. From Gallows, Lee Barrett. So Lee, welcome to the podcast. As you know, I've just said that Matt's away at the moment. Um, So how you been? How's everything recently going on? Yeah, uh, it's actually been considering the crazy and pretty bad year everyone seems to be having. Um, it's been okay for me, cons- uh, personally. Um, moved into a new flat with my girlfriend and, uh, you know, I've still got a job, which is, is uh, the key. A, lot more than, a lot more than a lot of people yeah. have at the moment. So, yeah, I can't really complain too much. It's, uh, it's, been, it's, it's still not been a great year, but... It's, it's, was, I've had probably had yeah, the most. Yeah, how was moving for all this then? Was that um, awkward and? It was. It was a bit awkward. Like, luckily, we actually moved in July when the lockdown had kind of eased off a little yeah. bit. So we, you know, we could go out and we was able to mix with my parents who helped us and stuff. But um, my parents are actually trying to move at the moment, and it's 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 hard work for them they're uh finding it tough so uh, yeah, they was hoping to move this yeah they're hoping to move this week and it's uh i think it's probably going to be another couple of weeks at least though that's crazy it's crazy so just i'm going to get this out of the way now when's the new gallows album coming my friend because i've waited far <laughs> too long now okay. that's a question I'd, I'd like to know the answer to that as well to be is, honest is, um, it is still in works though yeah so i've just got a little bit of hope there, you can always have hope. Like we, we have discussed writing new music, we haven't said how many songs. If it's going to be an EP, if it's an album, if it's going to be a one-off track. We don't know, but obviously we do have Redden and Leeds coming up next year. Yes, um, I've, I, I will be anyway. there. By the way, I'll be at Reading. So because we were, we were meant no. So me and my friends were meant to go to this year. Because Rage were there again. And we went to see... So technically, the first time I ever saw you live, the Gallows, is in 08 um, at Reading Festival. And I was... your Like, generally, at that point, I was like, oh, my God, this band is so fucking great. Like, Frank was 
such a revelation singing wise and like screaming wise it was like a new sound completely but everything was just on key and all quiet and I actually the night before I saw you I've I've so you know Lee the rest of the audience will know I don't drink anymore not because of addiction just don't drink I'm like five years sober I used to drink when I saw you live I was like 18 I was with my girlfriend at the time and my friends Jamie and Jack have opened our tent that night after me seeing Rage I'm seeing you the next day and I'm just screaming it. they're like Liam can you shut up because at four in the morning I'm just screaming fuck you I won't do what you tell me because I just saw Rage <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time was like I'm told him to be quiet and I literally keep saying like look you're seeing Gallows tomorrow you want to be fresh and then I just start going my name is Cassandra over I'm basically a man and then the two songs I was just two little bits I was singing for about four hours and she was even Jamie was like Liam come on mate we've got to get up in the morning you're seeing Gallows tomorrow shut the fuck up we want to sleep and like my girlfriend I was like I'm even offering him sex and then literally on cue I just went fuck you I won't do what you tell me while she's trying to have sex with me and that went on for about an hour of me just singing my name is Casanova and literally a lot of our mates were like indie kids at the time and they went to see the killers and we were like you're missing out on one of the greatest bands ever to watch fucking the shit killers but no and that was a great set like I've seen you so many times and we will talk about your bands and stuff but you must mm -hmm. be looking forward to Reading, like, hugely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this year would have been, it would have been awesome to play this year, but um, I've, I'm kind of optimistic that next year's going to happen. Um, I've, I've been speaking to, like, our agent and stuff, and they seem quietly confident next year will happen. So, yeah, it's just going to be whatever was going to happen this year will hopefully happen next year and I'm just looking forward to it because we, we don't play shows that often anymore so every time we do it I um, do know this it becomes a bit of an it becomes a bit of an event so yeah. uh, we, we don't actually see each other your, very your often gigs either, have always so. been eventful though whether it was Frank at the Realm or now Wade who I also Alexis on Fire one of my other favourite bands so when oh. Wade did come over I was so ecstatic I was like oh my god because it's such a new direction as well and the sound is so different and it's like, the one thing actually as a fan, boy, I would love is maybe releasing all the old songs under Wade. Because in the gigs, it's a completely different sound to what when Frank did it. Like, yeah, and I mean, that's actually something I thought about myself as well. I've not mentioned it to the other guys yeah. because I honestly don't know how they would feel about doing it. But I, me personally, I, I think that's a pretty good idea i know like Killswitch did it with yeah. um howard when he took over from jesse yeah um i think it'd be interesting for to hear because like it's hard to hear wade's vocals on the old stuff when we're playing them live you know unless we've got actual recordings of them you know it's for me it's it's hard to hear what he's he's how he sounds it's, it be, um, he's so got so, obviously Frank's cool got such to hear a, it in like a recorded environment I think. yeah and frank's got such a unique voice it's so, and that was one of the big things was because we were like, oh, okay, so when we see the live music, what's Ultra Square Walls, the whole album, going to sound like with Wade? But it sounded just as good, and it was just, but they were completely new songs. They're the same words, same guitars, same drums, but a completely different song because Frank's not there. And Wade, no disrespect, I love Wade. And but it's completely you kind of changed you as a band without changing you as a band and 
Do you still talk to Frank and Steph, obviously? Uh, yeah, I, I still see and speak to Steph every now and then because he still lives like, yeah. like kind of locally. Um, obviously, Frank is just super busy. I can um, imagine. I haven't really kept in touch with him too much since uh, since he left the band. I know Lags uh, speaks to him still, I think, quite a bit. But, um, you know, as, as soon as the rattlesnakes took off, it was just sort of like, well... I, we all know what it's like being on tour. You, yeah. you don't really keep in touch with anyone, and so yeah, I think it's even harder to keep in touch with old bandmates when your new band sort of. Uh, I, I also love the rattlesnakes. I even I even bought Pure Love as well. To my uh, oh, okay, yeah, and I, I quite liked it. But it was such a different direction, but for Frank, but we won't. But what was it like? Because the weird thing about when Frank did announce he was leaving. And Wade, you said Wade was coming in straight away, so that was kind of like reassuring for everyone. It was like, oh, cool. There's still that punk, like hardcore kind of like core coming in. The band's not losing it. It's going to go in a new direction now. But I always found it so weird that Steph stayed for so long. I know it's just because they're brothers, but I feel that every, the fan base-wise, we're a bit like, oh, that's a bit weird and a bit... Is that awkward or not awkward? Um, I think, actually, at the time when Frank said he wanted to leave the band Steph was the first one to come out and say I want the band to carry on um, to be fair to him he always he said right from the start yeah let's if we can find the right person to you know fill Frank's boots then we should definitely carry on um, despite the fact that, you know they're brothers I think yeah. you know at the time it was it was Steph's career as well so he was thinking about that you know he, he's you don't want to just give up a musical career because your brother's left the band, you know, he's, he's his own person as well, Steph. So he, he didn't want to just feel like, oh, I'm going to leave the band just because my brother has. Um, and then obviously we did the self-titled album with Wade, the first one. Um, and I think Steph, during that process, he perhaps he started thinking a little bit more about what he wanted to do yeah. musically. I don't think he was missing his brother, but perhaps he was thinking more, what kind, was this the type of music he he really wanted to yeah, play going went forward. A, it went, and, for me, uh, I enjoyed you know, the direction. It went different. It went no, in sorry, different. I was just going to say, yeah, after that, it was just like, uh, I think we did a couple of tours and then Steph just sort of, you know, he, he said, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to go and do something different. And we said, you know, that's okay. We're just, we'll just carry on as a four-piece. And there was no real animosity or anything about it. It was just... Steph wanted to go and do his own thing in the end. Yeah. So are you from Watford like the rest of the boys then? Are you all from Watford or how did you uh, meet yeah, and stuff have, like that? We all grew up in Watford, obviously, other than, than uh, Wade. Wade but, uh, <laughs> yeah, Frank and Steph were Hemel boys. Myself, um, Stu and Lags were all from like Bushy, Watford, uh, sort of like Rickmansworth area. Did you? How did you all meet then? And the band kind of formed that kind of, the origin story as they would say. The origin story, uh, yeah, Gallows Begins. Um, so we all knew each other from playing in other local bands. You know, I've been playing in local bands in the area since I was probably 14 or 15. I used to really look up to a band that Lags was in. And, you know, he's a, he's a few years older than me, same as Stu. They were in bands that were, like, more established and, uh, like, playing, you know, the, the sort of, big hardcore shows in London yeah. and stuff like that. And then 
um, I'd done a tour with Frank when he was in his old band and we knew what a good front man he was and we just sort of lags I think just called me up in one day and it was a bit of a surprise and he just said do you want to come and play drums in this band you know we've there's no sort of ambitions with it we just want to play music that that's going to piss people off and I was like I'll give it a go and that's how it went really yeah I, I on a side note of Stu, I do love him, but he's always been the miserable member of the Gallows on stage. <laughs> he actually once hit me with his guitar accidentally, which was a great fun being on concussed <laughs> for a little bit because he hit me in the back of the head when I was being a bit I too rough. Stu's just got uh, Stu's just got this kind of stage persona where he he wants to come off as being you know like. Yeah probably a little bit moody and mean but off off stage Stu is the funniest member in the band like he is he's, he's hilarious he's so such some of the stuff he's he's come out with over the years is uh you could write a book about it to be honest <laughs> he, he, he does little quirks on the stage and stuff and you can see that I'm talking about like so I've got someone in mind I'm not gonna lie to you have you ever when you're doing the gigs and stuff is there certain people that stand out for you do you remember certain members of the audience and stuff like that oh yeah we there's one guy the mystery mosher who we know like you may know i mean he's pretty distinguished does he go to the london gigs yeah he does he's a big tall guy 60 odd 50 60 odd yeah he's he's, yeah he's quite old i don't think his name's Oh, what is his name? I don't, actually don't know his, he's, his he, real name. Yeah. I think he's, he's the mystery mosher. That's yeah. what we he's know. He's been at like every gig I know. He's the sweatiest geezer I've ever met. And I'll be in the yeah. middle of the pit with him and he just leans on you. Because after about three songs, he is about 50, 60 odd. He can't stand up. And I'm like, he's leaning on me. I'm a big guy, so he's leaning on me. I'm like, bruv, like... And he's kind of actually become... It was the thing for many years. It was like, turn up to a girl's gig. I'm like, hey, he's here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think there was a thing where he apparently, he goes to the shows and like, because he used to come to quite a few shows outside of London as well. Yeah. He would sort of like camp out, like after the show in like like weird sort of camping areas. To, he'd like bring a big rucksack with him to the gig and then camp after a show. How true that is, I don't know, but that is what we were told. So I don't, so I, don't I, think, I don't know about you, like I'm a wrestling fan. And so back in the day of ECW, their fans kind of came a bit famous as well as the wrestlers. Like the ones in the front row, they wear funny hats and they were like known as like the hat guy, the sound, like the sighting board guy and stuff because he always had a signboard. He very much for you in the London scene was always very much like, with me and my mates were like, he's like older than our dads and he's here. Yeah. <laughs> and he pits Speaking hard. Speaking of dads, I've got, to say, I've got to say my dad is probably the other fan you'll see the most at london shows <laughs> i probably the worst thing is i probably i think i've i've heard rumbles before that that's like uh someone in the band's dad and stuff like that yeah like because you yeah you, the gigs if you go, go on, on uh if you go on my facebook or something there's pictures of of him at shows crowd surfing you know stage diving he he loves getting involved but I've, I've got to keep telling him that he's getting on a bit now, so he probably shouldn't do that. I do want to talk about one gig, because I made a tit of myself, and I'm hoping Wade's going to hear this, because I need to apologise about my behaviour. But I also need to, so you understand, that don't judge me on what I'm about to tell you, because it's very embarrassing. So, um, do you remember when you did the farewell to the Macbeth? Uh, 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Small London. He was, was, that, was it with Wade? Yes. Yeah, 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 okay. Because yeah. I know we did a show there with Frank as well. Yeah, no, but, this, uh, he was trying to yeah, save I, the I do remember the one with Wade, yeah. So you're going all on it. He's on the bar bit, and it was such a great gig beforehand. And he's kind of leaning down, hugging people. And I've gone very exhausted, very drunk at the time. Actually, I weren't drunk. I weren't even drinking. I can't even accuse alcohol of this. And I've gone, thanks for bringing punk back. Oh, oh, Lee, what an idiot. Oh. <laughs> did, he call you, did he call you out on it? No, nah, he looked at me like I was a cunt. And the thing is, like, I said that quite normal. I know it more came across like, thanks for bringing Puck back. Oh, like such a whimper. And it's yeah. et at me every day since because I know, the, like, what a loser comment. So if you do see him, just tell him that Liam Copeland apologises because it was a great <laughs> gig ruined by that moment. <laughs> but you haven't actually brought Punk back. No, no look. <laughs> You've helped. You've helped very much. But I'm a punk, I'm a hardcore punk enthusiast and I love it. So I I know there's a hundred other great bands and I know it never actually died. If anything, it's got stronger. But for some reason, it was him, you lot on stage at that moment, made me just go, this is fucking it. Maybe it was a small venue, do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. it's back, it's back. And then him... You were drunk on life, I think. And then four seconds later, I'd gone, it's not back. Why have I just said that? It's never left. It's always been there. Because my song, when you lot, I went to, me and my mate Jamie, before that gig, went to see Comeback Kid. And I, I'd done my backing, and he'd done his hand, he broke his hand. So we couldn't pit, and it was like the first time in about 20 years, we're like, so we're we just going to stand at the back. But we had these tickets, so we're like, yeah, let's do it. And we quite enjoyed it. We were about, to, we were about 25, 26 then, and we're like, Maybe this is how we go to gigs now. Maybe we've hit the age where we don't pit. So I went to the Macbeth very much in the same mindset. It was like two weeks later going, we're not going to pit. We're standing at the back. We're adults. And Jamie knows Misery is my favourite song. And it starts. And it's starting to build where it's going to kick in. I literally went to Jamie. I went, um, see you, mate. I can't do it. And I ran straight into the pit. So I think I was on that mental high of, oh, I'm still young. <laughs> now I don't think I'll last in the pit anymore but no no yeah you got I mean it, it does the adrenaline just takes you doesn't it, it just if, if you, as soon as you hear a certain beat or a certain riff it's just that's it you want to get in there and uh, you don't care about the pain do you at all no so obviously <laughs> the first album popped massively like kind of it became quite commercial in some sense especially with the Lethal Bizzle uh, Ruts um, cover. How did that all come about? Did he reach out to you? Did you reach out to him? Um, to be honest, I can't really remember how it did all come about. Um, I know we were listening to Bizzle at the time. Um, and then I think it was Kerrang asked us to do the, the, the Ruts cover. Yeah. Um, so it was it was it was thrown together pretty quickly. I know uh, me and Lags went into the studio and kind of just did like a couple of run-throughs and how we were going to arrange the song. Um, but obviously, we said it would be cool to get someone similar to us in their sort of mindset at the time, I guess, of what they thought of. I suppose like the country and 
what was going on yeah. at the time. I mean, it's got even worse since then. Yeah. Um, and like Bizzle, this was before Bizzle sort of become a bit more, you know, kind of like commercial with the whole Dench stuff yeah. and like that. He was, he was, he was like, he was on the cusp as well with like breaking into the mainstream. Then, and I think we caught him just as he pretty much did. So um, he was, he was super cool. He was really happy to do it. And I don't think he'd listened to a lot of heavy music at all at the time. You know, he was talking about going in the mosh pit with us and um, when we were recording the song and um, just, it turns out after that, we actually took him on tour as well. So he was able to go in the mosh pit every night. But um, so were you, yeah, I mean, the, were you the influence, because he, on that album he's got, and Staring at the Rude Boys isn't on that album, but he's got three punk covers on there. He's got another Ruts yes. one, Babylon Burning. It's his uh-huh. 2007, I think it's like Back to Business or something like that. It's a great album, actually, I will say. Yep. And I don't mind a bit of Bizzle, and I agree with you. At that time, it was he fell off from his early stuff, and then he kind of was reinventing himself. But on that it was a really weird period in UK hip-hop and grime because Kano also had a punk cover. And I like hip-hop and grime as well as that. So I remember showing my dad this and I made him a playlist and it was like hip-hop punk covers. But it was very much, it seemed to be a thing at the time in UK anyway, that they were kind of doing these covers and it was reinventing the music. I think uh, I'm pretty sure that Babylon's Burning cover that he did. I think Lags actually was involved with that as well oh. um, for that record. But it was like I think like the two sort of genres were sort of merging in a way at the time that they hadn't done before. I mean, obviously rock and hip hop's been done before, but perhaps not with those like the like the UK grime or, or hip hop artist they hadn't really done anything like that so it, it was it was it's a fun experience just to sort of do something any none of us had ever done before you would like we'd never had a, a guest on a on a song before we'd never had anyone from a sort of different kind of genre altogether appear on a on a track with us and uh it turned out that it ended up being our highest chart in song as well. Yeah. Which, and also, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> oh, it's a great song, mate. Don't take it away. Like, for me, even on the, I know it's on the extended album. It's not my favourite song in the album, but it's a great song. Don't ever take that away. And the weirder thing was, I remember like later that year, I was what, or a couple of years, whatever, I was watching Jim Carrey's Yes Man, and it was on. Yes. In the movie, I couldn't believe that. How did that come yes. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that's another thing was completely mind blowing at the time. Apparently, Jim Carrey had actually heard the song, and he, I, I know he's he is into his like sort of punk and metal yeah. stuff. Obviously, Cannibal Corpse are in Ace Ventura yeah. because of him and things like that. But um, yeah, I think he actually had heard the track and really liked it, and just he wanted it in the film. That's again, that is this is all coming from other people but that is what we've heard from you know like management and stuff yeah. like that so that's it was it was pretty amazing I, I know it's it's on in the background quite quietly but if it's if you listen oh listen, mate, then, i heard it and it must be <laughs> that's got to be the biggest pop in the world for you like ace ventura and the mask is sitting there and he's yeah in his movie like and it's it's, it's not a chip movie it's an iconic one of his movies yeah, right. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's weird when you think about stuff like that like some of the things that have happened to the band yeah in in like pop culture i guess you know is you think back and you're like 
holy shit, how did that happen to to this little punk band from Watford, you know? A little, yeah, there's had so many changes around what they are, who you are, what way you're going. And, like, for me, you kind of... Personally, you were my my band of my early, late teens. Like, I really got into you when I was, like, 18, 19, and then carrying it through. And I would, like, the voice and the sounds and everything like that. And it was also just, like, the fun. It was very... I'm a quite. I like music that's got quite good lyrics, but they were fun as well as quite dark. Like London is the reason is a very catchy song, but it's also quite dark song. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Crucifix is the same. Like it's quite. I, on especially on that um, London is the reason and your second album, it felt very much like you were going for a more. For I would say political, but also you were doing a lot of political stuff before Austria Wolves. But did you, was there definitely, did you have lots of conversations through the years of what directions and stuff, especially like when Wade came in, was Wade's influence, did you all agree and stuff like that? I think um, with, with Great Britain, the whole lyrics and artwork and then the, the uh, sort of short film we made to go with the album, yes. that was all... Uh, it was mainly Frank's idea. He wanted everything to tie in from the lyrics to the artwork to the videos. It, it all told a story of, of broken Britain, you know, like, and in terms of it being tied in together, I would say it worked really well. Like the aesthetic behind that album was really good. And I think that's helped it sort of become one of the most I'm, I'm by my own trumpet a little no, bit here, is. but like one of the most important albums in in the in the punk genre probably of the last couple of decades because it's still relevant even more so now. Um, and you know, ev- ev- everything that Frank was writing about is is more relevant than ever now. I mean, like the videos, they're, they're dark. The the lyrics are dark, but like you say, they're also cu- they're just to the point. You know, yeah. they're dark without sort of painted metaphors or anything like that they're just dark but they also tell a story and they're direct and i think a lot of people identified with that it's no point writing a, an album about broken britain and then sort of dressing things up it needed to be said in a direct way um and then obviously after when when frank left and we we moved on with wade um we all did actually decide that we kind of wanted to stick to a certain again like a certain aesthetic which is why the albums and the singles that we released i don't know if you noticed but they've all got like the sort of um black and gray yeah. kind of box yeah. thing like it's, it's it's just a similar theme but you know we kept the same logo for as well for example the very like kind of just classic simple logo we kind of adopted the the cross of Lorraine as like a, a, a symbol as well same as Marilyn Manson did but yeah. we won't talk you, you were cooler though <laughs> you did it in a cooler way. <laughs> yeah no um, and especially with Great Britain I feel at the time it was kind of what the world was feeling and me as a youngster I felt it like even at the time like not saying creator wise but like you had This Is England that just come out and even though it was about the 80s, it felt so relevant to that time period. Yeah. And it felt like... That was actually, again, it's funny you mentioned that, that was another thing that Frank referenced when yeah. he was talking to to us and the uh, the director of the film that 
this is England and Dead Dead Man Shoes, another yes. Shane oh, Mendes film, film, was was like were big big influences in in the way we wanted the, the film to look to sort of you know accompany the record. I feel I feel you definitely you definitely spoke, and as a kid from Essex, it spoke to me. I grew up on a council estate, and I definitely felt like this was my music, and it wasn't. Not saying some bad stuff, but it wasn't fake and it wasn't phony. It was raw. It was genuine. And even now, with like Frank Carter and Rattlesnake, one of my favourite songs is "I Hate You," and everyone always goes, "How can you listen to it?" So, but Frank's words, especially, are so poetically, but honest. And if something is shit, it's shit. And even when he did "Pure Love," and he said, "Is the song like I don't want to sing about hate no more." You really felt it when he sang it, and the same when when he was in Gallows, you felt what he were like saying like abandoned ship was a great metaphor for like the world, but you felt it as well. You felt that he was on the metaphor, but also he's on a ship, <laughs> and I think that's what's so good about you is like especially him words wise and everything like that. And I think it was it was very sad when he left for me as a uh, as a fan. But the direction you went in with Wade was, it was like there was two gallows. Like you kind of had to go like a before Christ and after Christ kind of thing. It was like before before Wade, after Wade. Do you know what I mean? And it was yeah. like yeah, yeah. what what went on and the directions and stuff like that. And it was like it felt heavier. It felt more gritty, and it actually felt in some ways the band that Frank always kind of wanted. But it just then went really in that direction and really went into the, I'd say a lot more of the traditional hardcore kind of black flag aesthetic and bad brains kind of vibe without the screaming massively because Wade's a lot more. I think he's a it's a calmer approach to being a front man, but also yeah. steals you. And I think that's what's always done it with Gallows for me is when I was a kid, I remember at that Reading, we went to see. Um, Queens of the Stone Age, who are a great band, but I said to my mate, this is fucking boring. Like, they're not doing anything on stage. They're, they're great at what they do, but they're just playing songs. I was like, yeah. for me, my life, when I see a band, I want to see fucking ruckus. I want to see fucking mentalness. And I saw that the night before with Rage, and I definitely saw that every single time I saw the gallows. Like, I'd leave bruised, battered, but so happy and exhausted. And like, I've just... It, I always think a gig should be perfect in the sense that when you leave it, they say they could go go and kill everyone you know, and you are in the mindset of just do it, just do it. Like and I know it's it's quite morbid that, but it's and I want to say like, was there any is there any bands you've seen that have like captured your life like you've captured mine and other millions of people? Um, yeah, I think probably the first time I ever saw Rage actually. Um, I think I was maybe, it was just after Battle of Los Angeles come out, so I was oh. probably 15 or 16. Yeah. And it was at Wembley Arena, so it's not particularly like a, no. you know, a small intimate venue, but it was. It felt like it. And I just remember, it's me and about three or four friends went, and every song, like, it just sounded so big and so powerful. You know, everyone there, this was before everyone had mobile phones and yeah. was taking video. So everyone was just there, like, hooked on every word and every riff, like, every drum beat was just so heavy. And I think 
after I saw them, I was like, that is like the pinnacle of what a heavy rock live show should be. Because they don't move around a lot, no. Rage, but like they they but they still fucking bring it, you know, like. They you, they meant every single note they played and every single word they were screaming. And I think I think that's what's key. And I think that's what you've always done as a band. I will be truthfully honest with you with that. I know personally, like so, you talk about it. I hate mobile phones at gigs. It drives me mental. I'm really one of these. My mates always find me funny because if I go on holiday, I leave my phone in uh, the hotel. And I always say that's for me to contact people if I need to and literally listen to music slash podcasts or movies on the plane. I don't I can I don't need a picture to tell me what I've done. I remember every yeah, instance yeah. of my life and the and I think that's why I do like the phone thing really annoys me now. Like when I look at I've we've spoke about different memories and stuff like that. I can remember it. I don't need a picture to see, but is there would you say, like, gig-wise, do you have any, like, really annoying... People do really annoying habits and stuff like that? Like, crowds. Like, because there must be certain... Like, I can imagine for you lot, the filming must be just annoying because you're just like, just live the moment. But is there any other? Um, to be honest, I've got to say, I don't really notice the people filming or anything like I mean I'm always stuck in the moment anyway on stage myself so I don't I barely pay attention to what the crowd's doing unless it's something like extremely crazy going on but um I guess for me like just people who are at the front but look so bored I'm just like why have you why have you waited you know uh, to get I, I suppose like most people they get there early so they yeah. can get to the front why would you do that if you're just going to stand there and look completely miserable <laughs> like and it, uh, there's, there's always a handful of them at every show and it just makes me wonder like why why do you like going to the front if you're not going to get really involved with it you know yeah that but, seems crazy yeah yeah and it, it happens but I, there's nothing really that annoys me I, you know I can't say there's one thing where I thought, oh, you know, that's bloody annoying. Apart from when we toured with AFI, when we were supporting them, and that was when the whole front row was just, uh, like, older women and their daughters there to see Davey Havoc. That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, that was just, that was weird and annoying because they looked so, un they yeah, looked like they hated Gallows. They hated Gallows, yeah. <laughs> very unimpressed with this ginger guy <laughs> screaming in their face. <laughs> yeah, um... No, yeah, I can imagine that would be so annoying. I remember, like, little things that always annoyed me was when the band just didn't seem happy to be there. And there's one thing I always loved about you, like, Stu can look the miserablest person in the world, as we've said, but you knew you wanted to play to your audience. And one of the entrances I always, used to always love was one way just to be like, we're just a little uh, band, we're the gallows from, like, London town. I always loved that intro. Like... Did he practice stuff like that, or was it just off the cuff? No, it was always off the cuff. I don't think any of our shows have ever been choreographed up or rehearsed or anything like that. Um, I think probably the most standard thing we would do for a show would just be write a set list, and even that would probably yeah. change most nights. So <laughs> everything was always off the cuff and improvised, and so that's I think that's why they was always kind of very different and. Uh, probably quite explosive most nights so what 
what kind of bands did you listen to growing up? What got you into it? What made you want to start playing the drums? Um, it's actually my dad who got me into playing drums. Um, he bought me my first kit when I was eight, I think it was. Um, I grew up listening to like David Bowie, who's probably still my biggest musical yeah. like hero now. Um, then I sort of got into uh, a bit more like indie stuff, like Oasis and Blur and yeah. Cooler Shaker, like sort of those indie British indie bands. And then when I started playing in bands locally, I I started mixing with more people who were into heavy stuff. Uh, one of them, funnily enough, being V Man, who's now Slipknot's bass player. Oh. And I remember he introduced me to quite a lot of like heavier hardcore stuff like Hatebreed and uh, Super Old on Earth recordings. Yeah. And yeah, it just sort of kicked on from there. But like, I guess my growing up and drumming, I, I didn't have like one or main influence. It was always just a sort of hodgepodge of different drummers like Bonham and then Lars Ulrich. And then when I got into heavier stuff, there was all it like the big metal drummers like Thomas Hacker from the Sugar and uh, yeah, just all sort of, you know, I think all my influence sort of rolled into one a little bit with Gallows because I, I definitely feel like my playing style isn't really what you would find in a punk band. I'm more of, I'm, I'm more of a metal guy, to be honest. I like metal more than punk. I don't really listen to punk very much at all. That's, that's quite interesting because I would say, yeah, I would say that's one of the elements that is... Is, is not so punky and I think that's what's always quite resonating see where I can't stand metal I find it so I'm really weird like I, I listen to all music but dance music I can't understand dance music I'm 30, what, 32 like in two weeks I've seen some of the best DJs in the world DJ because my mates were into it and they dragged me to these things and I'm like this is fucking shit this could just be the local DJ our nightclub down the road that's like £4 to get in but I, I, on metal, I like it, but I just, I feel, I've, it's probably very naive of me, but I just always sit there and go, oh, everything was done pre-90s. And yeah. it just bores me where I think, I quite like music that's, you can hear different genres and different bits. I find metal's always quite samey. But do you, is there anything you're particularly listening to now that like, because I would say my music kind of died in, 2013 and unless i like you i don't listen to anything new once in a while a new band or a new artist will pop up and i go oh i quite like that and i'll listen to them for a month and nothing else yeah. and then i'll go back to oh this is a band i saw in 2006 <laughs> i've got to new? say right spotify has completely changed my life because i was probably a bit like you for a few years i was only listening to stuff that i used to listen to when i was younger or that i knew really well i would never really listen to any new bands or new albums um then i got spotify and i just got super into making playlists of all these new bands that i'd never heard before and it just sort of snowballed from there and i said the amount of new bands and I, I would never have heard of or listened to before I started getting into Spotify heavily is it's insane actually like so many new bands I've discovered that I really really like and I know people don't agree with or they might agree with streaming but they don't agree with what the artists get out of it but for me I think it's been a, a really good thing 
because I, I listen to a band and if I like them, I will go out and buy their merch or go and see them yeah. live. And I think that is, that's what's, streaming should be there for with bands like just to listen to the music and if you like it make sure you go and see that band play i, I would completely agree with that I, I i've had every great memory of hearing your music at like parties or on my own i listened to it literally today on the way here and but nothing will ever be the countless gigs nearly every london gig i've ever been to has been moments of my life and shared with my friends and i yeah wouldn't take any gig I've ever seen. I've I've seen gigs that I thought would be absolutely shit and I've enjoyed them. So it's, it's the experience. Um, on yeah. the Spotify playlist, I've got a cracking playlist for you. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely. I, I don't work for Spotify. There, there's no plug here. Vietnam <laughs> helicopter music. It is Vietnam superb. helicopter music. Honestly, Lee, check it out. Check it out. I played it to my dad the other day and he went, this is sensational. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's really cool it's all like music and you've got like that you would imagine you're in the helicopter in vietnam war and that's what's playing so it's really good and there's different songs i didn't need to explain the title really but i felt no, I would I'm just thinking, a, is it just going to be like the skinhead or something for yeah, 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 an yeah. hour <laughs> no it's, it's, it's really good there's a good little mix on there as well and like i would say it's it's, it's up there with the guardians of the galaxy playlist which is also a go-to okay. um Talking like obviously, so you're a huge Tottenham fan, which I do hold against you, but I'm I still like you. Um, so you know the reference. I'm actually a die-hard Chelsea fan, and I'm actually missing the Chelsea. Why game. are you missing them? Right, I'm yeah. actually watching the game right oh, now. Well, I've, it's in the background. Yeah, it's in the background for me as well. Actually, it's quite funny. <laughs> um, Matt texted me yesterday and went, "Is there any day you can't do?" And I went, "No, no, it's fine." And then literally he went, "Cool, tomorrow." And I literally went. Fuck Chelsea are playing, and yeah, it's literally. That's why I said I can't. I took it Thursday. off because I didn't want to. I didn't want to have arguments with you, but I've got my Chelsea. <laughs> so everyone can. No one else can see, but you can see. I've got it there. Um, obviously, we play this Sunday. We won't get into that because I feel then it's just gonna. Because I generally hate your football club, and it will just be pure. It won't be nice for anyone. So I actually love you <laughs> as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Um, <laughs> How did you start supporting Tottenham? If you're from Watford, I would have thought Watford would be the team. No, thank God they're not. Um, oh, you mom, can have big Troy Deeney. Uh, yeah, Troy Deeney's uh, all mouth, no trousers. Anyway. <laughs> 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 um, anyway, moving on from Troy Deeney. So, my mum was from Tottenham. Um, she moved to Watford when she was younger. And she met my dad, who was... Spurs support as well at the time when he, he found out she was from Tottenham he was ecstatic and I'm not sure I think my dad just used to go to Spurs because his brother took him and actually at the time when he used to go all the time we were doing really well and then it's just it's just like a, a family it's, it's in your blood now you're a Spurs supporter when you when you're a Barrett so um, I didn't really have much choice to be honest but I've just seemed to support the club when we've gone through our very barren years of not winning many trophies. Beautiful years, <laughs> best years of everyone's lives. <laughs> um, I was I was quite lucky. I had a season ticket. Uh, I think the first season was nineteen ninety nine. I had my season ticket. We actually won a cup that season. I was like, oh, yes. if it's going to be like this every year. I'll be quite happy. But I think we've only won one more since then. I do. I do. I I kind of get what you're saying because. I've been a season ticket holder at Chelsea since I was five, so 
my early memories were like John Spencer and everyone kind of taking the piss out of Chelsea, especially in Essex. I was the only Chelsea fan at my football club, my school. And then Roman took us over and I started seeing all these little kids with Chelsea shirts. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, oh, we're, and yeah. I've had every, I've seen every success and everything like that now. And it, it feels, my dad always laughs at me because I still get excited when we win a League Cup. And he's, I was like, yeah, but dad, when I was a kid, the League Cup was huge. It was the big thing. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, I will say, like, my, just so you know, I do actually have one Tottenham player I like. And that's Rule Fox. Rule Fox was my, he's the only Tottenham player I like. Because when you watch him, he just always looked like he didn't care. Whatever was going on in the world, he was just, I'm here to pass the ball in midfield. That's what I'm doing. And as a kid, I just always thought he was, he's a very cool name, but he also. Oh just, no, Chelsea just conceded a goal! Oh, you, do you know what I mean? Sorry, just spoiler. Yes, yeah. Chelsea just uh, spoiler, but for everyone else, it's like a week late or something. It's all right. We can we can afford to lose this game because of next because of Sunday. I probably that hold me against me. But um, have you what what were your favourite players growing up and stuff? Um, I think. So ninety nine when I first started, I think Will Fox actually would have been playing then for us, but. um, Growing up, I guess, Ginola, yeah. uh, Sheringham. There was a season when Klinsman came back to Spurs uh, for, like, for the half a season to try and keep us in the Premier League. Like, obviously, Klinsman was, was yeah. massive. Um, I used to love Dimitar Berbatov. Um, just the way he played was unbelievable. Uh, I used to really like Michael Carrick. Which is yeah, a weird one. Imagine. Not many Spurs fans sort of mention him, but I thought he was he was brilliant for us. And then obviously you've got like more recently Harry Kane, Bale, um, Brandon Var, I suppose as well. I, I I've got to say I quite like all of our current team. Like there's not one player I'm like oh god he's fucking shit. I don't want him in the team. So but you know you're not one of these. You're not one of these Dyer haters, then. No, no, I think Dyer is 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 quite solid, to be honest. I, I, what it seems to be is that you probably find this as well. If a, there's a certain player who gets picked on by a fan base, whether it be for a few weeks or a few months, until yeah. they either move on or they have a couple of good games in a row, and then it's like, oh yeah, they're brilliant again now. Yeah. Like at the moment, it seems to be Harry Winks with Spurs supporters. Yeah, Mason Mount gets here a lot from us, and I'm a huge Mason Mount fan. And you sit there, you're like, look at the stats. Like yeah. the stats yeah, don't like, lie. He would walk into probably every other team yeah. other than maybe City or Liverpool. Yeah. Mason Mount. So like, I don't know. Again, like, I don't understand the hate. I see it on Twitter, like the hate he gets from Chelsea supporters. But he, like you said, the stats he set up today's goal, and yeah. he's he's just he's just a good player. He's he's reliable other than in penalty shootouts. <laughs> how do you how do you feel um, about this season going forward then? Like, because it's kind of I would say actually genuinely not trying to wind you up. No, I'm trying to be impartial, and it's very hard. But um, I think you've started very surprisingly. I think a lot of people. I remember a guy we know, an older guy with my mates, and he was going, "I've just put hundred quid on Spurs to win the league," and we all just went, "They've just robbed you blind." But you are top, you are playing very well as well. And you're scraping victories, which, champ, as you know, winning teams have to do. 
Do you feel optimistic or do you think it's going to burst? Uh, being a Spurs supporter, I'm never optimistic about <laughs> anything. Uh, yeah, that's come back to bite us too many times now. But I've, after uh, Project Lockdown, you know, whatever it was, when we come back last yeah. season, the tail end of last season, we actually were in quite good form then without playing well at all. Like we were picking up wins then, playing rubbish. Um and then this season started, and obviously it was a terrible start, just an awful performance against Everton. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a long, long season. But I think the signings we made actually sort of galvanised the whole squad. You know, we brought in really good players like Ricky on Bale, obviously. Like the, we brought in another striker, which we hadn't done for three or four seasons. Um, and. I think we, if, if we can get through this six-game spell where we've got some really tough games, if we can get through that still in the top three or four, then who knows what might happen. I think you, I think um, it's very open. It's very open season. Yeah, a lot of people keep talking is. to me and saying, oh, you've got to be favouring Chelsea. And I've, I'm honest, I, we've still got a shot defence. Uh, going forward, we look so strong, but we still conceded three goals against West Brom, three goals against Southampton. It's yeah. a goal against Sheffield United, so it's it's. I do think it's very um, it's a very tight season, and Liverpool can make signings. City will definitely make signings with the way they're going. Um, the surprise, actually, I think personally for me, like I get you hate them, but I was I thought Arsenal would do a lot better than they have this year, and they've kind of just dropped. And it's quite funny. One of my best friends is an Arsenal fan. I told him that Pepe's a flop when he signed him, and it really has come true. And he's he doesn't even argue it anymore. He kind of just you just see a silence in the group chat whenever I bring up Pepe. I'm like, oh, flop. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do himself any favors oh, the other day against Denmark. What an idiot! He's, he's shown little flashes, but you know, a lot of people were saying uh, Ndombele for us was going to be a flop, and yeah. I'm good this season. All it takes, like some players, just take longer to sort of acclimatise to a new league. Like Pepe, come from the same. He was from the French France, league, wasn't yeah. he as well. I think so. You know, it might just be a case. But I, I oh, hang on, Chelsea, you're going to score? No. Um, <laughs> it feels. Oh, they scored. <laughs> yes. Sorry, just completely ruined this podcast by just oh, commentating yeah. on Chelsea. The worst thing um, about it is, everyone would have expected me to do this. I was. I've yeah. been very professional. And I've gone, no, I'm not going to hold that he's a Tottenham fan against him. He's, he's been, I'm not going to lie, since the first time I met you, I went, I really like that band. I think I love them, but that drummer sports Tottenham and it's, it's an hard, hard grasp. I say to one of my best friends who's a Tottenham fan, I go, you'd be in the top five of my friends if you didn't support Tottenham. And I think that's the problem. Like, I love you, yeah. genuinely. I love you as a band, but you're probably my least favourite member of the band just because you support Tottenham. It's right. I, I can take it. Yeah. I've heard worse than that over the years. Do do any of the bands like so? Pete, guys in the band and previous in the band are they football fans, sport fans, or anything like that? Not really. Um, Stu kind of supports Watford, but I guess not like hardcore. Yeah. Sort of the way we are going to the games every week, but. No, I think it's only really me. I took way to a couple of Spurs games, and he seemed to enjoy it. But it's not—it's not something he, you know, carried on following no. really. So, no, it's, it's just me. It's always me on my own talking about football. <laughs> um, 
so when Wade did come over, was the cultural, like, e.g. football, was the cultural differences, obviously, him from Canada, then he'd been living in America for a while, and then coming over here and conversations, how did that even spark up to get, because Alexis, literally, I think they ended a couple of days or a week before, and then it was kind of flashed in their news quite quick. Um, yeah, I think what happened was, again, I think it was actually Steph who was speaking to Wade, and he he had said to Wade that Frank was leaving Gallows before that was all announced as well. Yeah. And Wade was like, well, actually, Alexis on fire is splitting up as well. And it just sort of happened like that, really. It was just... Steph said, well, would you be interested? And we knew Wade anyway. We'd done Warp Tour with yeah. Alexis. You know, we, we knew him. We knew how good he was as a as an actual vocalist as well because he only ever, ever really did backing vocals no. for Alexis. We knew he was a good vocalist. And um, trying to think now, what was the first... I guess we just did some rehearsals and he was, he was the choice. That was it, really. Like, it was him or sort of no one else. Yeah. <laughs> It came together quite nicely. It's, it's sort of everything aligned with Alexis going on hiatus and and uh, the, the, the timing of that, I think. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, it kind of did because it was like, if you look at it, if Wade doesn't join you, I lost, I would have lost two of my favourite bands. And then it kind of like merged, I know it's only one member, but merged two of my favourite bands and I was kind of, I was kind of like, oh no, I'm sick. I may have lost a Lexus in that sense, but I've still got Gallows, and now I've got Wade in Alexis, and he was in Gallows, and it's. I agree with you. Alexis on fire, probably one of the most overly talented vocalists you've got. You've got three geezers that can sing, and only two of them technically kind of did, and that's it. And Wade kind of got left out in that thing. So when he came to you, it was so yeah, yeah. refreshing, and. I do. I, I think that's the thing. I think I like that it was kind of the only option in that sense because it fits. I think I do feel we fit with the band. But was the was it funny the first couple of weeks? Would you tease him? Would you say certain words and like teach him certain phrases? <laughs> he had to pick up on our slang quite quickly. I think, but you know, he'd actually he he toured over here enough yeah. to know probably a lot of the words we were and things we were saying what they meant you know he was it's not like he was coming to England for the first time but we sort of I think we played him a bit of Only Fools and Horses for <laughs> a couple of hours so he could yeah. pick up on a few of Del Boy's phrases you know he went, started going around going Monge 2 and, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but no he, yeah he, he was he was good over coming over here like, like thinking back on it it must have been difficult for him coming over to to England, basically sort of auditioning and joining a band at the same time, having to sing someone else's songs as well. Because we, I think, the first tour we did, we only sort you of did, played. Yeah, it was your, it was, it was the old songs. Was, yeah, yeah. It, so, um, yeah, again, that was probably a little bit intimidating, having to step into to Frank's shoes as well. But I, I, he seemed to take it all in his stride. You know, he he just. Yeah, he, he just fit in really well. I think he brought just such a, a different dyma- dynamic to the band, like not only vocally, but just his ideas as well. I think he's probably, I don't think Frank will mind me saying this, but like he's probably, Wade is probably more punk at heart than yeah. Frank. Like he, he, he kind of lives the lifestyle, I think. Yeah. 
weighed and he had done but he'd never had the chance to sort of show that side of him in Alexis because they were supposed they they weren't really a punk band and you know they were so big in Canada like he I guess he couldn't live out his his punk rock dream and I think Gallows came along and he was that give him the chance to do that and he sort of embraced it (laughs) I know I completely agree like I'm a huge fan of all these but I'm a huge fan of these only uh, Sunday I was showing my mate the video I don't know if you've ever seen it of him um, um, deep frying a turkey in his garden in Canada, and he's very punk, and he's very, and that's where he is. And I think that's why he kind of really hit the essence of the band. And it was going forward; it felt so much more like that. But um, so, do you still talk to Wade? Is it still a consistent conversation with all the band members, like Stu, Lars? Do you talk a lot, or is it? Is there definitely um, a business compared to... Because obviously you did grow up with a lot of them. So are they the best friends yeah, or is yeah. it you've got friends, they've got friends kind of life? Yeah, it's, it's definitely more... Uh, you know, we'll talk to each other, but we are we are best friends. You know, like there are a lot of bands where everyone's best mates with each yeah. other, like growing up and then in the band. But we were never really like that because one, like Stu and Lags were a little bit older than myself. And... Um, We'd sort of come from different schools, different friend groups. But when we got in the band, we was all, you know, good as gold with each other. There was never really many sort of inter-band arguments between us or anything like that. Um, Yeah, it's just... I've forgotten the question now. (laughs) I'll change it a little bit then. So what... So you said you're not the closest of... Like, you're friends but not your best friends have you got any funny stories or grown up stories about your best friends and what they like because obviously it must have been quite weird when you start getting quite well known and they're maybe not or whatever was there any like cool funny stories or awkward stories and stuff like that what was it like growing up basically in Watford because I'll be honest I've only ever been to Watford Stadium and that's it yeah it's not worth coming to the Watford don't worry nothing else there um I guess like it was weird for me because I left school when I was 18 a lot of my friends went to university and I went straight into work Um, so I was kind of already losing touch with school friends even as we left school and there's a few now who I still kind of chat to every now and then but I don't think anyone ever kind of sort of grasped the hugeness of gallows and sort of what we were doing at the time like it kind of gets a bit boring when someone says oh what you're up to and you say oh i'm going on tour next week to america and i know that sounds like big-headed but i mean if someone said that to me i'd be like what a fucking prick you know but like that's how it is and it's easy to i think it's easy to kind of alienate people when especially friends who you've grown up with um by saying that kind of thing and I, I guess now it's it's pretty easy for for me to admit I don't have that many close friends. My my girlfriend's my best friend. So. That's nice. I like that. Mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's in the other room, probably laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she's at least you at least you've still got each other. And if you stop speaking yeah, Tottenham, yeah. we can become best friends. So you've got that option as well. We can't do that. You're a Chelsea supporter. Well, this is what I'm saying. You've got to leave Tottenham and then come to us. Nice. Do, do you know what? I, I like that though. It's, it's nice. To, how did you meet your girlfriend? Like, how did that come about? 
That was actually through Gallows as well. Um, my girlfriend's Polish, so we was playing in Poznan, uh, I think it was 2012. Yeah. That was the first time I ever met her. We had a couple of drinks in the bar after the show, just sort of stayed in touch via Facebook and stuff. And then she moved to London and um, a couple of years ago, we sort of went on a on a date and that was it really. It was... Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, both of us weren't expecting anything. I think we're just expecting a one date and that was it, like blocked for the rest of our lives on Facebook and Instagram, but it, it went the other way. And that's that was great. a cute job. story, mate. It's cool. Like those years later, you still rekindled it and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was cool. Like it was nice that someone from eight years ago still wanted to talk to me. <laughs> uh, don't worry. I'm sure in eight years, I still want to talk to you. I'll probably be going, when's the new album coming? And I'll still be saying, I don't know, it might be next year. Yeah. But, um, so have you got any other hobbies, interests and stuff like that? Because other than Tottenham and the music, is there movies, anything like that, mm-hmm. comic books, whatever, like? Yeah, yeah, like definitely the movies. Um, the Cineworld Unlimited card is a blessing. Yeah. Like. I'll say that now, although this year obviously it's yeah. not been too good. But um, yeah, I, I, I love going to see a film. Uh, it's not the same watching stuff at home on Netflix no, or I agree. like going to the cinema. Um, big comic book fan. I would show oh. you my bookcase behind, but you ain't going to be able to see it anyway. So, uh, Lee, we were destined to be friends if you didn't support Tottenham. I'm a huge comic book nerd. I literally, my, so my birthday's in two weeks and my sister went, what do you want for birthday Christmas? I just gave her a Corex inbox of like comic <laughs> books and she's like, she went to one of them and she went, so on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle miniseries like Raphael, she went, do you want the Leonardo? I went, no, I've got, I don't need them. It's a miniseries. <laughs> and she was like, okay, so with the Spider-Man one, am I buying all this? Yes, you're buying all of the series. Why would I want one of them? But, so it's it's got... actually really difficult for oh, people yeah. who don't understand comics yeah. to comprehend what you're yeah. talking about. Like I had the same with my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm selling this one. It's a single issue, and I've got the graphic novel of it, so yeah. I don't need it. Yeah, yeah. She's like, what are you bloody talking about? But there you go. My my, It's quite funny. So we've got a comic book shop in Rumford, and I went in there with um, like a girl I was dating. And before I went in there, I did go. I went, look, limit me. Don't go. Don't let me go crazy. So I'm picking up, and they've got the bargain bins, obviously. So I'm like, five pound, five pound, yep, 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 we'll take that, we'll take that, we'll take that. And then she's like, Liam, no, stop. You've got like 40-odd quid there. And I'm like, 40 is nothing. I have a limit spend of 100 today. I've worked this out mathematically. And then like, she's like, no. very familiar. Yeah, she was like, that will chill. And then like, she's literally, she'll turn away for a second and like three more comics will fall down. And then I knew the geezer on the store would be quite talkative. So I was paying up for the guy at thing and she was looking at the pops. So he started talking because he wanted the sale. And as he looked away, I was like to the guy, right, what well, looking at the wall items and I bought about three more wall items. And then when we went for lunch, she was like, Where did these come from? I didn't see you get them. I went, I know you didn't. <laughs> have you so very sticky. Have you got any favourite um, so now we can talk again more about this. Have you got any favourite like artists? Have you got any favourite? Who's your favourite comic book characters? Oh, well, Batman definitely my favourite character. I've got a big Batman tattoo hidden under here. Uh, I've got Green Lantern tattoo and a Joker tattoo as well. I'm hopefully getting a Nightwing tattoo as well to go oh, with it. Um, 
on hopefully in January. So yeah, I guess I'm more of a DC guy, but I'm not one of these oh DC's better than Marvel or Marvel's better than DC. Like I just enjoy both. I enjoy characters from both of them. Um I'm with you by the way. I'm I'm D C but I I read Marvel as well. I just prefer D C stories. But I still yeah. read Marvel. I read anything. I like independence. Um so Batman wise, have you got any favourite artists and stuff? I'm a huge Grant Morrison guy, just so you know. I yeah, literally yeah. buy like, and I've got nearly all of his stuff. Pretty good. I like um that there's an artist he hasn't done a lot of Batman stuff, yeah. but there's a guy called Lee Bermejo, I yes. think his name is. Very good. He's done uh, like I think it was Batman though well. Yeah. Like his artwork is crazy. And like Brian Azzarello, I think, wrote that. I like his writing as well. Um there's a couple of other guys, like Scott Snyder. Yeah, he's he's, he's a go to, like, isn't he? Him and Frank the quintessential Batman writer at the moment. I never realised, like we talk about it, Grant Morrison's a quintessential and I didn't realise it till actually I listened to a podcast with him on and I was like I thought I was being really cool, like in this niche comic book guy. And then I dug a little bit deeper. I was like, oh, there's like fucking 400 comics he's done for Batman. Yeah. Like, and, and then JLL and like Doom Patrol as well. And like, I just, I felt like such a fucking idiot. But then it was like, right now I just got to buy so much more. Like I, I oddly bought the other day. I don't know if you know of it, but check it out. You'll like it. I think it's um independent one. And it's like called, uh, it's called, I think it's called like um, Fright Club or something like that. It's about vampires. And it's really cool. And I was like, I literally picked it up because the artwork was just so cool. It's like a girl drinking a milk carton like in her underwear, but it's blood and she's a vampire. And I was like, right. what the hell is this? I need this in my life. <laughs> so actually last week I was reading that all week. So are you, have you got any you're reading at the moment or anything like that? Or you want to read? Um... There's new stuff wise, I'm like not particularly up to yeah. date. I'm still reading stuff from like my whole life, I seem to be catching up on things yeah. I've missed out on. So I'm still reading some Deadpool stuff from it's actually Daniel Wade's run on Deadpool. Oh, yes, yes. Probably about 10, 15 yeah. years ago now, but I'm still reading some it's a of good that. Run, um, and I want to read uh, Jeff Lemire's, he's done like a Joker one off story. Yes. I think it's called Killer Smile. Yes. I want to get into that. I think that's on my Christmas list. I, it's so on I my birthday that. and Christmas list as well. Okay. Um, so is the uh, Free Jokers or whatever it is at the moment. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. on the list yeah, as well. Looks good. Yeah, because... Uh, so uh, no, uh, I like Jeff Lemire's stuff anyway. Yeah. Like, he did a really good run on Animal Man. Yes. Back on the New 52. So, like, I, I like his writing. He's quite... Uh, quite adult yes. quite dark um, whereabouts do you shop what, have you got a favourite comic book shop because I've got favourites have you got favourites um, since I moved to St Albans I've been into the local shop here a couple yeah. of times um, I think it's, it's called Chaos City um, again they're, they're pretty good I like going into Forbidden Planet because yeah. the choice there is just unbelievable um, but I've got to say like it sounds terrible, but Amazon is just yeah. cheaper than everywhere else. And I know, I, but if I've got a little bit of extra money, I will go into a comic shop and if buy you, comics from where they should be bought from. If you go around the corner from Forbidden Planet, there's a my favourite comic book shop is Omega Comics, and it's literally okay. just by Leicester Square. It's a beautiful little comic book shop. It's changed a little bit, but. They've got bargain bins and they've got loads of stuff from like the 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh -huh. Very cheap, very cool. I was very, for many years, and my mate used to take the piss out of me. I was like, I ain't a graphic novel guy. I want the series. I want the comic books. 
now it's just so hard. I think it's like Spotify. Yeah. You have to go on to Spotify. You kind of. I used to be a CD guy and have all the CDs. I wanted all the original comics, and now you kind of have to go. No, can't do it. You have to. Yeah. You have to. You have to give just, it. You just run out of space. Like I've, if I'd have carried on buying CDs, I, I would need you know a mansion to put them all in. I've got yeah. boxes and boxes and boxes in my old house just waiting to be put on music magpie probably oh yeah so <laughs> yeah. matt's just thrown me a question so matt is a huge funko pop guy i don't really get it but me he has not. said do gallows have a funko pop and are you a funko pop guy i'm not a funko pop person um i get the feeling if i bought one or two I would want to buy more yeah. and I don't want to get into collecting anything else when I've already got too much stuff I collect. Um, I do like collecting like the, the bigger like uh, Japanese, like is it Kobayashi? I think oh, they're yeah. called statues. Yeah. Um, they're cool. But um, Funko Pops, I've not bought any. Um, there aren't any Gallows Funko no. Pops, so if anyone out there wants to make one, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, I'll buy it. That, um, that, that, I have three yeah. Funko Pops and I've got a Chris Jericho one. And a Shawn Michaels one, and I'm quite content, really. Um, well, so what else do you collect, then? Uh, well, I mean, Blu-rays, yeah. mainly. Uh, Blu-rays, graphic novels, yeah, like the statues. Um, I've actually just acquired a PS4 over the weekend, so I'm sure I'll be adding some games to yeah. that as well. Um I know everyone's getting the PS5, I'm getting the PS4. So no, I'm yeah, still catching good. up. I'm catching up in every aspect yeah, at yeah. the moment. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're expensive hobbies in themselves, you know. Yeah. And I think since I'm, I moved out and I've got my own place now, I've realised that there's bills to pay and rent to pay, so I can't actually yeah, spend all my money on stuff I want to spend it on. Yeah. But um, I, yeah, I still like collecting the, the odd film or, or comic, you know. I was talking about like football and collecting and stuff like that. I collect. Do you remember the uh, micro stars and the pop, the Corinthians little heads? I start yes. talking about how addictive things get. I bought one, like cause it was my favourite player, and I saw it on eBay. I was like, sick. They've got a Zola one. I'll buy it. I've got eight hundred and fifty now, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> and you know, is that, head, every, is that every club? I've got quite a few. I've got. The whole '96 England team, whole '98 England team, 2002. I've got whole chill. I've got every single team from, apart from uh, like three or four from '96 and '97 and '98, and then I've got random ones I like. But I go and buy job lots as well on eBay. And you know, in your head, you're like, I've just spent fifty quid on something so pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not till it arrives you go. You have that moment of like, yes! And then I have the moment of, I've now got to organise everything. Why have I done this? Like, And it's yeah. even like, so Matt's a huge collector as well. And a lot of, some of our friends are, especially like wrestling figure collection. And both, all of them have said to me, why don't you do it? And I go, because I've just seen, I know what I'm like with comics. I know what I'm like with DVDs, Blu-rays, CDs. I know what I'm like with fucking Corinthians pop heads. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's to the point like, I now give them away as presents if I have duplicates. Cause, and yeah. I follow people on Twitter that sell them and I start getting excited about it. I'm like, oh, he's got this one. I can't believe it. And you're like, why do I care? <laughs> but we all, that's the thing. is like, I think 
you've got to have a certain personality to be a collector, yeah. like very sort of OCD in a way. Like I'm like me. I, if I if I like you as well. If I start if I start collecting something, if I get one or two of them, yeah, I've got to have the whole set. Yeah, you know, and I I, I will feel like antsy until I get them all, and yeah. then I'll probably just stick them in a cupboard for five years and not yeah. even look at them. But that's it's just like the whole obtaining them is kind of more exciting than actually having yeah. them in the end it, it definitely is and especially with like the pops that's why i quite like the job lots because you don't know what you're getting but it's also like i love it when i've got one or two play, players to get and it's even better if they're so hard to find but i remember like the one i couldn't find for ages was like a man you andy cole and then i bought two job lots and i got 15 I was like, I don't need fucking 15 now. <laughs> so I've just, they've got their own little shelf. And I'm not even an Andy Cole fan. <laughs> just got their own little shelf of like, go on, Andy. The Andy Cole 11. Yeah, and yeah. Some <laughs> yeah. All from the same year, same, do you know what I mean? But it was like, I just needed one and I couldn't get it singly. And all these people had them in job lots. And it was, I think 10 of them were in the same box. I'm like, I've just paid 30 quid. You can be fucking... For 50, ten, 10 of them are Andy fucking Coles. Oh, <laughs> So, does your girlfriend have any, like, does she collect? How does she deal with you collecting? Like, because I've always found girls she, hate it. No, she has her own little things that she likes collecting, so she can't say too much. She loves Yankee Candle. Yeah. Um, she loves Eeyore. Oh, really? And she loves Eeyore and Mulan and Pocahontas and probably mainly all things Disney. But I like I love Disney as well. So I, I don't mind. She collects all the little figurines yeah. and uh, buys any, anything with Eeyore's face on it, basically. But Is, do you know I, what? Like, I quite like it. I quite like it. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to complain. My, so my sister's just had a child, like a daughter, so Ray. And I'm first time being an uncle everything like that so i've gone i've already been warned about the spending and apparently she's after four months he's too young to get the batmobile apparently yet but i've i've said it's coming it's like she doesn't like because my sister went you need to calm down your spending i went leanne if you're worried now don't worry because when she's six and she's into everything i like because i'm going to force it on her it's going to be even give her worse. 10 Andy Coles. Oh yeah, so she's got. She can have every Andy Cole she wants. But um, well, we'll say like. So, what's your favourite Disney movie then? Mm. Oh God, don't put me on the spot like that. Um, I have a really soft spot for Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love Wreck It Ralph, and then probably classic Disney. Probably Beauty and the Beast. Because that was sort of my prime Disney for me. I was, when that came out, I was about eight or nine, I guess. And I was, yeah, I went to Disney the first time. It's like Walt Disney World, I think, the year that film came out. So the whole park was like just full of Beauty and the Beast stuff. That's probably the one that sticks with me the most, I guess. So it's quite funny, actually. You're on his podcast and I've kind of just took over because I'm a huge fan for the day. Um, but he is known as the Disney guy in essence. Right. He plays Disney covers and stuff like that. So he's like, okay. and he's very good. Like he can, I've always said to him, like personally, like he can move away and do his own music. He writes very beautiful music as well. 
but he loves playing Disney movies. He's just got very aside because of your um, Beauty and the Beast comment. He's got <laughs> Beauty and the Beast tattoo. He's got. I couldn't even tell you all the Disney tattoo he's got. Um, I like to pretend that I don't think they're shit because he's my friend, but I think they're <laughs> shit. So, but he does like it, and I can't even moan at him because he's. I still use Disney Plus, so I'm not going to have a go at him about stuff. You might change the password. Yeah. And then I won't be able to watch uh, Boy Meets World again, which I'm on season three already. So, Funny story about Boy Meets World. Do you know one of the actresses from that is now a porn star? No, but we'll be looking her up. What's her name? <laughs> uh, her name is... I don't know her name in the show. Yeah. Her name in real life is Maitland Ward, I think. And how do you know this information, Lee? <laughs> uh, I saw it on one of those, you know, like you get tailored adverts. Oh, or yeah. Like shit adverts at the bottom of like a website. Yeah. Like, so-and-so's doing this now and you just won't believe it. Yeah, yeah. I, clicked on, I clicked on one of those yeah, and it was her and it just was an interview saying that she now does porn. So I point. didn't look at it, but I found that out. And I'll be checking it out later. So he's it's because we were talking about his Disney Plus earlier, and he was like, "What do you even watch on it?" And I went, "Literally, I watch old Spider-Man cartoons from the nineties because I love them. I watch Boy Meets World, and then the Marvel movies and the odd Disney movie, and and literally, if I didn't have and oh Mandarin, I don't know if you watch it. Mandalorian, I've just started." Seems good. I'm I'm on I'm on like the fifth episode and I'm in love with it already. Like everyone told me to watch it, and I kind of just put it off, and then now I'm into it. And but I do find he finds it very funny that I've got all this stuff I can watch, and Boy Meets World is my go-to. Like we were looking at um, Scriber stuff earlier on thing, and I got very excited when uh, Wonder Years was there. I was like, I could watch all the Wonder Years. <laughs> You know, but I, I, I like nineties TV. I don't know what's yeah. is that wrong with me? It's just very camp nineties TV. Yeah, and you I look got back at it now, like Fresh Prince and stuff like oh. that. It's just and I got super even camp and, I got even more excited when I don't even remember Sky One's Dream Team. Yeah, I do actually. Oh, see, I'm a huge Dream Team. It's my favourite show of all time, and he's got all the series on this thing, and you can't get him on DVD. And he was like. How, how do you love it so much? I was like, literally, I used to have them all on my Sky Plus and then that deleted one day and I was like, devastated. Yeah. Is there any TV series that you're watching now or that you've loved through the years? Um, Serious or geeky just, ones like I've just said? <laughs> we've watched more recent ones. <laughs> uh, we've just finished The Man in the High Castle. Yeah. Um, enjoyed that. That was, uh, I don't know if you've known, do you, do you know that one at all? Or? No, I haven't actually, I'll check it out. It's on um, It's on Amazon Prime, it yeah. just basically tells a story of if um, the Allies had lost the Second World War, so yeah. basically the Germans are in charge of uh, Europe and the East oh, Coast yeah. of the America and the Japanese yeah. are in charge of the West Coast of America and it's just like an kind of like an alternate world where yeah. they're in charge. It's pretty cool. It's a, yeah, it it's, sounds um, interesting. A Philip Philip Dick story. Okay. So like the guy who's done Total Recall and yeah. stuff like that. Um, what else? I always go back to watching Only Fools and Horses. It yeah. doesn't matter. 
what I'm watching, I always go back to Fools and Horses. It's just the classic. And we like watching Unsolved Mysteries yeah, fair on play. Netflix. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I quite like the murder stuff and stuff like that. The only problem I've got is that I do suffer from paranoia. So when it's uns like the FBI files and it'd be like, it'd be a geezer in America and they're like, he is still at large. I'm like, what? He's, and let's assume he's going to be at my door. Like, Liam, you watched this, didn't you? I'm like, no. Like, that's the only problem. I like the program. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think everybody has that kind of yeah. paranoia after watching one of those episodes. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's at large. He could be anywhere. Yeah, he could yeah. be anywhere. And in my head, he's just travelled to Brentwood and wants to kill some random geezer that just happened to have watched a program on him. There's no reason, <laughs> rhyme or reason for that, but that's how, you know, it is, it, it warps your mind, it's like anything, if you watch yeah. a certain, if I watch Star Wars, I think I'm going to be a Jedi Master, I'm like, I've definitely got the force. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. so Probably you got, shouldn't watch as many of them shows as we do, to be honest, the, no. I love the, mur the murder and crime shows, they're, they're, they're the best things to watch on, on Netflix, if you ask me. Have you seen talking about them like the parody, um, the American Vandal ones? Yeah, they are dicks. fucking superb. They shouldn't yeah. be so good. And I think like the Poo one, the second season as well. Like I was, I was hooked on both. I was just sitting there going, "How is this so fucking good?" Yeah, no, I, I, I did enjoy them. They, they got they're silly. I mean, yeah. they're stupid as fuck. Oh, they're, but they're fun they're, little. They're nice, easy watch. You know, yeah. like they're, they're pretty funny. So have you got, obviously being a comic book guy, have you got a favourite comic book movie of all time? A comic book movie you hate? A uh, comic book movie I hate. I'm not too keen on Electra. Yeah, it's understandable. I, I haven't watched it for a long time. The lever's good. I, I remember. What's that? The lever's very good in it, but that's probably about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, she looks alright in it. Yeah. And, uh... That's about it. I think my favourite is still probably The Dark Knight. They kind yeah. of sort of set the bar a little bit for gritty, realistic superhero films. I think all the Marvel ones are great, but they all kind of they all kind of feel and look the same. But they're all great, so you carry on watching them. I, I, I love the Marvel films, but they all they're all very kind of similar in. Yeah. the way they look at, the, at the, most of the time but like I guess the, the Dark Knight was just it was different you know yeah. it felt like a, a kind of real world that yeah. they were in and Batman being my favourite as well also helps and I would say like on that like I think that's why it's like Guardians and for um, Ragnarok resonated so well with a lot more people because it was slightly different and it was slightly yeah. not the do you know what I mean, super duper no I agree I think DC's always been a bit more gritty and like growing up I grew up on the original Batmans and stuff like that and then the Dark Knight trilogy is just it's, the only thing and you're a comic book guy that ruins the trilogy is at the end of Dark Knight Rises when he goes the guy is called John Blake the whole movie and he goes what's your name it might be under Robin it's like there's four there's three Robins you could choose for just fucking yeah. use someone else he's not, use Dick Grayson yeah. the whole time use Damien I'm okay with it but John Blake, why yeah. are you fucking saying there's another Robin now? <laughs> yeah, I, I did think Dark Knight Rises sort of shot his load a little bit. Yeah. There was a lot of going on in that film where it kind of was a bit overblown. Yeah. And some, a lot of it didn't make sense. But The Dark Knight for me is just, it's pretty much perfect. You know, it's 
just the performances, the the writing. Like Batman looks like Christian Bale as Batman, and I think he's probably still my favourite Batman. Although I do like Batfleck as well. I think he was a yes, really good Batman. I'm with you. You're a reader of the comics, so it's very much the older Batman. He's the dark Batman. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Have you got a favourite Joker then? Um, I think out of all of them, Jack Nicholson's my favourite. Yeah. Rogue. Yeah, I like Rogue. Heath Ledger. I, I really yeah. liked his performance, and he he's he's different. You know, he again he's he's gritty, it's yeah. menacing. But I think the character that I knew as the Joker when I was growing up is more in line with what Jack Nicholson did. because yeah. he's, he's he's a wisecracker, but he's also yeah. got that sort of vicious side to him as well from being a gangster. And I remember the hand buzzer scene in that original Batman film where he he. he burns the guy alive I was yeah. like when I was young watching that I was like fuck oh, like that's pretty intense you know yeah. you look back at it now and it's quite it looks really fake but yeah. at the time it's like oh, the time I wasn't expecting away. that I'm, I'm a Mark Hamill guy because of Batman um, the animated series and <laughs> but that's so niche that people either know it or they don't but that's me being a loser liking a cartoon no 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 I'm looking at uh, my Blu-ray collection of Batman the animated series right now Uh, so I can see it it, on the side there I also geeked out when that was on the thing as well and Batman and Beyond I was like oh my god I could just sit and watch this (laughs) and they had them on Prime for a bit like the animated series and I had Prime and I was really excited and then they kind of took them off and it's like Oh, like, don't do that to me. This is my go-to watch. It probably shouldn't be, but it is my go-to. It's amazing those cartoons when you're a kid, you don't pick up on some of the stuff. And it's like, now as an adult, it is kind of for us, and especially with the graphic novel movies that kind of come out, the animated ones. It's amazing how good they are. Like, the year one was superb, and like, I really, and Killing Joke, was a superb watch and it was as good as the read if i'm honest like have you got do you watch any of them is that something you're into or yeah i've I've got um the last one i watched was uh batman ninja actually um i don't know if you've seen that one he he goes back he gets transported um back to like yeah japanese sort of yeah I guess feudal times is yeah. that what it is like where it's, so basically everyone's a ninja and it's all alternative versions of the characters so you've got like Batman and Robin you've got um like a sort of super Japanese looking cat woman and stuff like that all in the cool like old Japanese clothes and stuff and I think the Joker's in charge of the, the, the village yeah. and like Batman comes and he's got like a bat army all wearing like the samurai gear it's, it's, it was it was different I quite liked it because it was different um, I've got a couple of others I've not watched I've, I've got Gotham by Gaslight I haven't watched yet no um, I haven't seen that I've meant that's on the list for me as well to have a little look at yeah and I've got quite a few of them. Like I've got the Killing Joke. I've got yeah. the two Dark Knight uh, Returns. Was yes. it? I think um, yeah. the two part one they did. Which is a great that was book good. As well. um, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a big collection of Batman yeah. films and stuff. I like it. Another Batman guy that knows yeah, about Batman yeah. doesn't just say they like Batman. I feel bat being a Batman fan is like the band T thing of like oh we're an Iron Maiden shirt and you're like what's your favourite Iron Maiden song and they're like I don't have a clue I feel like with Batman you can go oh what's your favourite Batman comic and they're like no I don't I don't know any 
Sorry. Yeah. I like the movies. You're like... It's like, yeah, I just got this shirt in uh, Primark. Yeah. I've never read about it's definitely, that. It's the pain. It is the pain. It's, and you, when you find someone, a kindred spirit, you get very excited about it. <laughs> so um, just, to, yeah. just to kind of wrap up and everything like that, is there, and generally it's been such a pleasure for me. This is a big... I was trying to explain it to my dad, actually, the other day. I was like... And it was an awkward one, because my dad's favourite band is Motorhead. And I was like, so it's like you meeting like the drummer from Motorhead, knowing it's Lemmy, but forgetting it was Lemmy. And he went, it might be a little bit different. I went, okay, yeah. So it's like you meeting like the bassist. And he was like, he's dead. I was like, yeah, but say he's alive, dad. I was like, he's, he's that big for me. He's come back from the dead just yeah. for one night. Yeah, only. yeah, yeah. But like, generally, is there anything you want to talk more, a little bit talk about, or anything to plug, anything that you want to... Anything that's coming future-wise for you? Or is it just moving and chilling? It is pretty much just chilling at the moment. Like, I wish there was something to plug. I wish I could say to you then there's going to be some new Gallows music soon. Um, I will say we have talked about it, but discuss, talking about it and doing it is two completely different things. So You can inform them it, that Liam Copeland really, 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 really fucking wants it. So, I, I think if if times weren't so weird right yeah. now, like with the pandemic and stuff, we may have actually thought about it a lot more seriously and tried to start writing together. Especially me and Lags, because we're the only two who kind of live within yeah. any kind of distance with each other. But um, with that all going on, I think people are just kind of focusing on keeping themselves healthy and yeah. sort of yeah doing the best they can in in pretty shitty times to be honest but hopefully next year there'll be a vaccine and people will be allowed to go to festivals and to gigs and we'll get back to some kind of normality i need to see you live and i need to see the old boy in the mosh pit he's probably about 85 now though it's been that long (laughs) yeah it's uh everyone's getting on I'm going to be 40 in a couple of years, so let's, let's not talk about I'm that. I'm 32 in two two weeks, and honestly, talking to you has made me remember how old I am, but also kind of relieve, relive my late teens, 18, 19. Yeah. And I'm happier in a sense now, but the bodies, are, I've been sitting down for quite a while now, and the back's already going, what are you doing? Ask <laughs> oh, them Oh, yeah. Numb. It's, it's, do you know what I, I said to someone my mate just turned 30 a couple of weeks ago and he went what changes I went the amount you go toilet he was like you'll realise you used to be on one pee probably a night I'm on like three or four now and I and sometimes I even test it like to try and be science and like don't drink from seven onwards and I'm still peeing yeah. four times in a night I'm like where the fuck's that come from yeah, the things that happen to you as you get older, oh, yeah. you're, you're never ever prepared for it. So. Uh, and you start sounding like your parents, everything, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's happened. Yeah. yeah, listen to your mum and dad yeah. when they tell you stuff, because yeah. most of it's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lee, genuinely, it's been a huge pleasure. And any time you want to come back on here, even if it's we could talk no more. Problem. I'm actually pretty sure Matt will probably want you on now, just talk about Disney. He's, he's... <laughs> I would be happy to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, have you on any point to talk about Disney? But genuinely, <laughs> it's been a f- pleasure. Thank you guys. This has been the Matt Hasam Hammond Storytime Podcast, and with the best drummer in the world. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Oh, what a guest! I have to say, and I'm not just saying it because I love the man and I'm on it. But that was the best podcast Matt's ever done. Even the one with I'm on it. This is better than that. I have, of course, been Liam Copeland. 
Yeah, and Matt has a little catchphrase he likes to say at the end. Ooh, babe. No, I ain't doing it. Fuck that. I've got a new one. Fuck the police. Fuck, fuck, fuck the police. Yeah! Fuck the police. Fuck, fuck, fuck the police.